0: John chapter 1. I have that going. As I've been putting in quite a putting in quite a few hours on one particular area of study for our church, I have a little bit of almost reverb going on with this brother Dan. It's, it's getting an echo. Strange, a little bit to it. See if you can try to get that. Thank you. That, I think that took it out. Good. <clears throat> we, uh, as I'm working on curriculum for the the upcoming year in Sunday school, uh, and had put in uh, quite a bit of study on it. It led me to a study of some certain things in the life of Christ and. I think because of the manner in which I was approaching that study, I had never seen it quite in this perspective before. And uh, <clears throat> I want to I help you this evening. I, I think it's a very helpful truth to understand some things about the Lord. John chapter 1, and uh, let's look together, verse 43, it says, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. We had a little town like that over where I grew up called Somerville. They would have had that same, if you'd been from there, you'd have got that same type of response. Maybe there's some, some around here like that. I'm not aware of them. And uh, don't call them out because maybe somebody else sitting here and I don't want that kind of fracas starting. Uh, I feel confident of you from Somerville. Um, but he said, uh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of Jesus' hometown. Jesus' hometown, and uh, Father, help me tonight to do that and give the right emphasis. Thank you for your workings and thank you for your word, and help me to preach your word as it is, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was associated with several different towns and or regions during his first 12 years of his earthly sojourn. And a little bit of knowledge of each of them can guide us into a stronger understanding of why He came. It's kind of interesting that uh, people are associated with certain areas. And there are certain areas you have certain thought about. But these areas reveal some things about the Lord and how He came. I I don't believe that uh, there was anything done in Christ's life that was accidental at all. Um, But He was always, what He did in every aspect of His life, perfectly glorified the father and showed his will i believe we'd love it if we can do that when we we like it if our life's used that way and so often we can see our own failings in that not living up to that and, and we ask god for more grace and strength to follow him and and uh, to grow but christ always everything about him everything around him points to the glory of god and that includes his hometowns so let me give you some of the places with which he was associated First one is probably the first you would think of associated with Jesus when you think of him, and that's the town of Bethlehem. It's kind of interesting because he went back and forth there. There were three times he was kind of intertwined with that in his early years. But Bethlehem, the name of the town, it's called the House of Bread. That's telling, isn't it? It's it's a place where there's uh, food came out of that, and uh, it was a place of nourishment it's very important, in fact, uh, that Jesus would would be associated with that. That's one of the two cities that's called the city of David. Look in, uh, look in Luke chapter 2. And I'll show you this. It's referred to. What's the other city that's known as the city of David, you know? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And, and, <laughs> exactly, Jerusalem. <clears throat> Luke 2. But here it's Bethlehem, the city of David. Look at this, and I'll show you the uh, Luke chapter two and verse four. It's very emphatic about it. It says, "And Joseph verse four, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem." By the way, that's about ninety-four miles. Now you think about that, all the conditions involved with that, for that young family there, and that 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 uh, young. Uh, young couple and uh, the traveling, all that was involved. You're talking about 94 miles, and that wasn't in a that wasn't in a vehicle of comfort, where you could go. That's that's quite a quite a trip. It's according to how you look at it on the map, but it's uh, by the shortest route they could have taken. Nazareth is about 88 miles north of Jerusalem, whereas Bethlehem's down below it, and uh, and so it's quite a quite a journey, quite an undertaking there when they did that. And Joseph went also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, which is the northern area, to Judea, and to the southern area, and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and lineage of David. Then look in verse eleven; it says, "For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And so, um, this city of David that attaches him to the kingship of David and to the kingdom which was promised to David which would be an everlasting kingdom. And so when Jesus came, he had that association and that attachment with Bethlehem, the house of bread. This is also the city of Naomi, who was the great-great-grandmother of David. And Ruth, which is his great-grandmother. And of course, Naomi, you understand, Ruth was her daughter-in-law, and he had Boaz as the husband, but she was still talented within that lineage coming down, and uh, so that's where they came from. In fact, when uh, Abimelech and uh, uh, Malan and Chilion and Naomi, when they left because of famine, they left the house of bread and went to Moab looking for food. And then they came back, of course, just Naomi and Ruth, as Malan and Chilion and died, and Abimelech had died there. And uh, she came back, and and uh, there was uh, there was food and. Uh, the, God had restored things there in Bethlehem, and, uh, and yet she came back. And it was interesting, her statement. You remember what she said? She said, I went away full. But yet she left her in time famine. She said, I went away full, and I came back empty. She came back, the harvest was on, things were going on. Isn't that amazing? She, uh, she understood fullness and emptiness wasn't an economic condition. And so, had all that, that's Bethlehem. A lot happened there at Bethlehem. Um, the, the Bethlehem uh, in this town, Jesus was announced by the angels just outside of the town. He was found by the shepherds that were searching for him. He was ignored by the crowds. He was worshiped by wise men and he was hated and hunted by an evil king. All the children two years old and under were slaughtered in that place. A lot happened in Bethlehem. That's one of the hometowns of Jesus. Now, you'll forgive me on one of these. He said, well, strictly speaking, it wasn't hometown, but it's a place where within that first 12 years he went. And a lot to be said about that. You know, uh, Christ is called the living bread. There's a whole passage. I'll tell you how important that is. There's a whole section where Jesus took time and explained to the Jewish people that the manna that they received in the wilderness was pointing towards him. And that he was the true bread that came down from heaven. And see, what's so significant about that is that manna had the capacity to sustain people's lives. There's not very many foods or things in life like that where that one thing, if you ate it over a long period of time, could nutritionally keep you healthy. There are things that could keep you full. You could stay full on spaghetti, but you wouldn't be healthy after a little while. You could stay full on bananas, but just the diet of bananas wouldn't be good. And there are not very many foods that could carry you by themselves, and yet that food that God sent from heaven, that angel's food, he called it, that manna, which means what is it? That's what the name means. When they looked at it, they said, manna. It meant what is it? And, uh, you know, I felt that way when my sister first started cooking. I really did. And she made some things. And I said, I didn't know the Bible then. I just said, manna. And anyway, it, uh, what is it? And uh, she got better. But um, everybody's got to start somewhere. She might as well start on her kid brother. But the, the, that food sustained them and could sustain all of life arduous at times while they were traveling. I was thinking about that. I was reading about the Kohathites again. And I know you've been thinking about the Kohathites all week probably. Um, but I was thinking about the Kohathites. That was the, uh, that was the group of the tribe of Levi that carried the uh, things that are associated with the tabernacle. Uh, the tents, all the furnishings, all the uh, tools that were used and the things that were used for sacrifice. And all the things were used, uh, uh, the, all the brazen instruments and all the gold things. There's a lot of weight the tents alone, if you read how they were made and what was used to make them and how large they were. if you've done, Anybody here ever dealt with a large canvas type tent? I'm talking at least 30 feet or so long. It's a lot of weight. We used to set that one up and take it down at Liberty when we were meeting in it before we got our, our church building done. There's a lot of weight involved in that. Can you imagine these things made out of badger skins and such? And, uh, and then they these heavy things. And those Kohathites, now think about their families. They had to carry, those men were carrying everything they had to do with that tabernacle, but their households had to move at the same time. Because that, uh, that uh, pillar of fire and that pillar of uh, cloud, that thing had moved. That was God's presence. And he, there was no warning. When it moved, they moved. You had to be ready to break down and move when it moved. And those Gothites had to move that tabernacle and their household at the same time with it. Amen. That's, that's a lot of work, anyway, you look at it. And so, uh, what was it? The, uh, this manna that came down, uh, they were often in arduous situations that would have been physically taxing, but yet it provided for them everything they needed every day. Everything they needed every day. But they had to go out every day except the Sabbath day, they had to go out and get it fresh every morning. And Jesus said, I want you to understand something. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, and I can take care of every need. A lot about Bethlehem. That was Jesus' hometown. And you learn a lot about the place because of, uh, about him, and then you learn about him because of the place, and you find out uh, that he's all that we need. Second one, and this one, real technically, is not hometown, but he was taken there and often visited there, and that's the city of Jerusalem. Now, Bethlehem, we said, means the house of life. House of bread, all right? Now, Jerusalem means founded peaceful. The Salem is peaceful. Jerusalem, it is founded peaceful. You ever read in the Bible, pray for the peace of Jerusalem? God, you know, one day Christ is going to rule and reign from there. It's an amazing thing. And when this whole thing's done and we're into eternity when time's no longer, And there's a new heaven and a new earth. The center of that is called New Jerusalem. And God wanted it to be peaceful. It's it's anything but peaceful because of the conflict. I mean, how much of the center of turmoil is it now? And you think about how bereft that area is of natural resources that an entire nation would fight over. You get down near the Dead Sea, there's some things there that are incredibly valuable. But right around Jerusalem... There's nothing there that would take a major world power to come in and say, oh, we, this will enrich us. But yet it is a center. Why is it the center of these things? Because God made it the center. That's why. And uh, founded it peaceful. It's a capital city. Jesus is king. It's kind of interesting. He is king of kings and he's lord of lords. He came into his own people. He was their king. He's our king. He's the king that has never been coronated by man and he's a king who can never be deposed by man. He will reign at his own will. And uh, what is that? Um, It's a capital city when Jesus came. In fact, uh, it's interesting the men from the east, we call them the wise men that came. What was the question they asked? Where is he that was born king of the Jews? That's why Herod wanted to kill him. The Herodians, man, that, that household of Herod, man, whoo, man read their history. They, they, they would kill each other in a heartbeat over power. It was an incredibly bloodthirsty group. And, uh, and, and so Jesus came as king. Second thing, Jerusalem is the center of worship. You know what the most spectacular thing about heaven is? It's Christ. The center is the throne. Everything else points to that. Sure, there's golden streets and they're clear. They're so pure, they're like transparent glass. Every single thing that's described in the New Jerusalem does one of two things with light. It either lets it come through in its glory or it reflects and refracts it and would send it back in a dazzling way. So everything in the structure of the New Jerusalem is meant to show even further the glory of God that's there i'm telling you this morning driving in was absolutely spectacular now it still is over at our house we got more ice where we live quite a bit more than here in town and uh, in fact all well we didn't get home till about three fifteen, but but all the little time we were home it sounded like an avalanche at our house we have this huge tree beside our house and ice i don't know how much ice can still be falling off of it. it didn't look like it lost any and it's just banging on our roof and bouncing off there all the time I didn't go out in the backyard. I expected to look outside and see why my dog's knocked out in the backyard. There's just big chunks of ice falling off and uh, all that. But, but it was beautiful. How many of you saw that this morning? Isn't it amazing? It's absolutely beautiful out there. And uh, I, I, I love that and, and I love the way that looked. But uh, you imagine this city that is so bright and it's so brilliant with that. And uh, so thank God for it. But it's the center of worship. You know, you have the elders, you have the, you have the uh, living creatures, you have all these things, you have all of heaven centered towards Christ. And there he is, Why? Uh, the one who gave himself for us. It's a center of worship, it tells you about him. He's a center of worship. You know, to me, one of the surest things in the Bible when you're reading through and you look at the fact that Jesus Christ is God the creator in flesh, in human form, and he specifically tells us about that, what he is and who he is. Um, I was just reading again you just read it uh, if you're following the reading program the, uh, the, the, the fellow who was uh, possessed of the devil's legion after, after he gets right and he puts some clothes on because when you get right you're supposed to wear some clothes and uh, he put clothes on he, said he wouldn't run around naked anymore and uh, in his right mind and he was, he, was, he was there remember what he said the Lord said to him of course that fellow do not give us his name He wanted to go with Jesus, didn't he? Jesus wouldn't let him go. He said, go and tell your friends, tell your family, your friends, tell them, listen to what Jesus' command was. Here's exactly what he said. Tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. Isn't that right? Next verse you go down. And he departed and began to publish throughout Decapolis, which is a regional area. Uh, It takes in that Gadarene area he began to publish throughout Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And he was completely obedient when he did it. And Jesus said, you tell him what the Lord did for you. He said, I will. And he went and told him ever what Jesus did for him because he understood it was a saint. But here's the thing about it I want you to understand. There's a number of times in the New Testament where people worshiped Jesus while he was here on the earth. I mean, worshiped him. Not gay worship as in towards a human master. That term's used sometimes for that too, as in giving reverence and homage towards someone who's a superior in position. That is a use of the word. But it is blatantly by usage worship like you would worship God. And you know what? Jesus never rebukes somebody for doing that. Never. Boy, you get over there where Peter, Cornelius falls down, and tries to worship Peter. You know what happened with that? Get up. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I'll come here now. And then you get over there with Paul. And it was a Silas with him then or Barnabas? Which was when they went in and, and, and the folks began to worship him. Said one was Mercury and the other one was... Bar- it was Barnabas still with him when at that time. I think so. And anyway, they began to worship them. Brought out. They were going to sacrifice to him and all that stuff. And you remember, Paul went in among them. He got all excited, went in among them, said, no, no. He said, he said, we've come to teach you not to do this. And I'm giving you a paraphrase on that, obviously. But he said, uh, we, we've told you to repent of this. He said, no. He said, don't worship us. We're also men. Because they said the gods have come down. And he said, no, we're just men. So uh, the apostles, they never allowed somebody to worship them. Ever. Not at all. Stand up. I, on the feet, I'll say I'm a man. That's the thing about it. That's the way they'd approach it. Jesus, they'd fall down on their face to worship him, get all of his feet, let him worship him. Why? Because he's God. And so that's Jerusalem, founded peaceful. and uh, It shows Jesus that that first city that's actually his hometown was the town of what? Bethlehem, which is the house of what? And we learned about Jesus there. Then we have Jerusalem, and we find it's the capital city a city of worship. It's also the city of David. And David ruled uh, for forty or thirty-three of his forty years as king there in Jerusalem. And uh, so, so much was so much happened there. Then you have the one we read about. And We read here in John chapter one. What was the city that the question came out? Can anything good come out of there? What was the name of that city? I looked this up, and I looked it up, and I went to different places, and I thought, huh. I couldn't find an answer for it, and I thought they, the fact I can't find the answer is the answer. That's funny. House of Bread it ties into certain things. Jerusalem, founded peaceful, it ties into certain things. Now, what's the question about Nazareth? Can any what type of thing, good thing, come out of where Nazareth? Okay. When you look up Nazareth, I couldn't find anywhere that could give you a definition. It's a place in Palestine. That's what it says. I mean, most things you can find a name what that name means. You can't find it. You couldn't find a Hebrew derivative it came from. You couldn't find a Greek origin word it came from. You couldn't find a defined word it came from. Even Webster's eighteen 8, you couldn't find definition. And I thought, well, hold on now. What's it mean? But then I got it. You know, I'm slow, but I got it. Well, that's very telling. There There wasn't There wasn't a definition. Nazareth was so bad it didn't even have a definition. <laughs> and I thought, well, there it is. The absence is the answer. Eh. Name has no origin or meaning or origin in a language. So why did they call it Nazareth? Maybe it's the way it sounds. Nazareth. <laughs> I don't know. But our text says it all. Now think about this. He was known as Jesus. He wasn't known ever as Jesus of Bethlehem. He was never called that. Not by anybody. He was never known as Jesus of Jerusalem. He was known as the Galilean, which put him up in that northern place, but that again is a reference back to Nazareth. He is always known as Jesus of Jerusalem. Nazareth wow you say okay preacher what's your deal with that well I think what the deal is with it it matches exactly what you see in the scripture when it says can any good thing come out of here when you start thinking about such passages as this he was despised and rejected of men and we esteemed him not there is no form nor comeliness or beauty that we should desire him how about this He came into his own, and his own received him not. How about those type of passages that he was numbered with the transgressors? How about the passages that say that he was like a root out of the dry ground? How about the passages that deal with the fact that he was not wanted, he was rejected of men? In other words, his hometown fitted him very well. Because there was no boasting. <laughs> Saul, the Apostle Paul, his name, his given name, and what he was known as, was Saul of, anybody know Tarsus. Tarsus. You know that, don't you? Here's what he said in giving testimony at one time when they were trying to figure out who he was. He said, I am of Tarsus. Now, he was defending himself as a Roman citizen keep from getting beat to where the skin's coming off. I like his move on that. And so he said, I'm a Roman citizen. Beatest thou a Roman citizen, uncondemned. In other words, they're getting ready to get in serious trouble. And uh, the uh, fellow said, uh, I purchased my freedom. Great sum." And Paul said, I'm freeborn. They got talking. He made this statement. He said, I am of Tarsus, listen to the term, no mean city. In other words, this city's known. I came from an influential town. You know about Tarsus. See, part of the Corinthians problem, the reason why they had such carnality and such a pride problem was Corinth means an ornament. That's what the word means, an ornament. And among the Grecian cities, it was an ornamental city. Beautiful. Accomplished. I mean, just think of different places in our in our country and the different things you would think about that. <laughs> you, you know, it's a question it's kind of like even regions. There's a fellow like was one day there at a store and had a big old hat on and boots and a little boy asked his daddy and said, that, hey, can I ask him if he's from Texas? He said, no, son. He said, why? He said, well, if he isn't, then he'll be ashamed and if he is, you won't have to ask. He'll tell you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get that right, Daniel? Yeah, get yeah, there right. A lot of people say, "Well, from I'm from New York." New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I agree. I think New York would be a great place to be from. indicating having left. Um, but I've never had anybody that I've ever met in all my days come up to me and say, I hey, tell you something, I'm from Gary, India. <laughs> Preacher, I don't get it. It's because you've never been to Gary. <laughs> and so Nazareth, my wife would know this, there was a name The name everybody knew Somerville by when we were teenagers. Nobody in high school called it Somerville. They called it Scummerville. Isn't that terrible? Yes. They're down there by Scummerville. What was worse was it kind of fit that. It was the weirdest little town I've told you about. We got soul winning there as teenagers. In this rural town, you remember that? And this road, that's where I bet the one the money, I guess that guy ripped the big old door off the off the hinges and thrown it across the wall against the wall and all that stuff. And was going to beat me with a bat and very various and sundry things. But the we uh, we were there, and uh, a little kid come out of the street and cussing. I'm thinking, you're talking you're talking early eighties you're talking early 80's I mean that wasn't going on see that doesn't shock you as much now because there's so much of it going on well kids didn't do that stuff you were still close enough to the time it wouldn't have to be parents and neighbor jerk them up and wash their mouth out with soap and by the way kids that stuff for getting your mouth washed out with soap is not you know some kind of story literally but you did my wife believed in it and they do that a little, a little a little, dawn will make the sun come up in their life and they'll learn not to do something but <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> it's, it's dirty it needs cleaned up but here watch I, I, I want to go to describe all that thing. and by the way some years later the atmosphere in that town was totally different totally different down in there the back when we were, uh, went over to Liberty and that it was totally different went in there it wasn't like Scummerville anymore I thought what in the world happened here what happened was there was a good Bible believing Baptist church got started over there and for a good number of years in this little tiny town, just just north of Camden, there, mm-hmm. kind of kind of more east than north, uh, Camden, it uh, um, this this church was there and was going great guns, gospel going out and such, and it made a difference in that little town, of whole atmosphere for the town. didn't Spurgeon talked about that uh, place where he had his early ministry, a little bitty chapel- type town, and he said people would be walking in the streets, drunken and, and falling over and just uh, debauchery every bit, and such. And God broke such a revival on this village of about eight or 900 people. He said that when you would walk down the street in the evening, of course you understand that we we're conditioning thing here in the 1900s he said you could hear families singing psalms together. And people praying before they eat and it was just a totally different thing, God just changed that community. Why? Because people changed it inside. Where'd He come from? Nazareth. That's nothing town. Where'd you go? Well, Nazareth. That's not about That's nowhere. You know, it's one of those towns where you have to explain where it is by what it's close to. And it's not really close to anything. Do you remember if... When I was, if you got to be here, and I, when I was preaching about Nicodemus, the evolution of Nicodemus, and talked about when the Pharisees were turning against him because he's, he kind of defended Jesus and said he should, we should give him a hearing, they said, are you also a Galilean? So that was a derogatory term for him. See, you had Judea, you had Samaria, which sometimes they didn't want to go through there. They'd go a the long way around not to walk through there. Then you had Galilee up above it. And those northern tribes early in their history have been the northern tribes that had followed Jeroboam and they set up golden calves up there to worship. That area had been an idolatry throughout the Old Testament once the kingdom divided. And so there was a stigma attached to that. And what was happening, Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, What? what do you mean that the Messiah would be associated with a place like that? Can any good thing come out? Maybe not humanly speaking, but maybe God would take the weak things in the world to confound the mighty. Right, right. The things which are not to confound the things which are. And maybe God would reach down into an area that showed the weakness and the depravity of mankind the strongest. And there he'd lay, let a light shine. They that set in darkness have seen a great light. I seem to remember that as a prophecy. What is it? Nazareth. It's hometown. Pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? So the first one, the house of bread, What's, what town that? It's the city of what? Bethlehem. The second one, which is founded peaceful in the center of worship, that's the city of what? The one that... So, anything good come out of there? That's Nazareth. Nazareth. But he's known as Jesus of Nazarene. And then this one's interesting. Look in uh, Matthew chapter 2. And this is a region. And you can only say really it's a hometown in the sense that Christ was there for a while, a little while. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. And this one, <clears throat> you may have read about it or heard about it, but it's pretty startling when you think about it. You remember, Jesus was born and then Joseph and Mary were warned of an angel to flee because Herod would seek to destroy the child. And see, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And the eighth day uh, for the Jewish uh, custom of circumcision, he was taken to the temple. That's where he saw Simeon and uh, Anna, uh, the the uh, the two. Then he went back to his town of Nazareth. Two years later, when the wise men show up, he's back at Bethlehem. But there were some then, then Herod and them were going to seek to destroy the child. It's an interesting timeline that happens there when you try to follow it. It's interesting what happened. Look in, uh, look in verse 11. And when they were come, Matthew 2, 11, into the house, they, the men from these, saw the young child with Mary his mother. He's not an infant at this point. And fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And now, see, Herod had asked of his wise men, when, and the scribes and such, he asked them when the Christ child would have been born. And so that's why he ordered the slaughter of two-year-old and under, because it was according to the time that the star appeared. So this puts Jesus right at the two-year-old mark with this, all right? Now watch what happens next. Verse 13, and when they were departed, so God warns the wise men not to go back to Herod. He said, you find him and come back to me. They defy Herod by leaving. Of course, Herod would kill them quick as anything for doing that. So they they head out of the country. However, you have... uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus there. And it says, They departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph. The angel's got to get somebody else out of the way of Herod. In a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into where? Egypt. Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. He said, You go down to Egypt now. And you, you take a housekeeping there until you hear from me again. How long? I wonder how many times that question was asked. Flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt so they didn't waste any time. God said, Herod's going to come after you. They had to get out and go. About 101 miles from where they were at that point to to the border of Egypt. They did some traveling, didn't they? And so, under some rough conditions. And so, be thou there. And then uh, he went, and look at verse 15. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And so then it goes on and talks about what Herod did and all this. But listen to this. Another, if I can say hometown, or a place where Christ was in those early days, was Egypt. Egypt. Then you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out that Egypt is a picture of the lost world. It's a picture of everything that is sinful and decadent in this world. So well, Egyptians had some great learning. They did in their ways, yes. But even that was twisted. Not saying they didn't accomplish some great things as far as we count accomplishments, but the the powers and the perversities behind it led them to destruction. Um, And yet Jesus went down into Egypt. (laughs) That's an interesting thought with that. It's a picture of the lost world. It's that place that God's people had known bondage. That's the place where God's people were slaves for over 400 years. And yet God sent Jesus down there. But you're right about the beautiful part of this. He went in and he came out. It's a perfect picture of what Christ came to this world for. He came in and he went out. Why? He came to redeem and he's going to take us out. He came, to, he came to redeem. He's going to take us out. And uh, why? Because he wasn't made for staying in this place. He came to redeem us so that we can one day be with our Savior and be with our God. Um, and then let me say finally to you this. Let me say this about you. First one the city of bread. What's it called? Come on, you don't pass the test, you don't go home. Try me again. And what's going on? I see you want to go home. Then Jerusalem was founded peaceful. Then we have the one, which everybody kind of sneers at, and that was one he was known, associated with as what? Nazareth. Then he was sent to this region, this other country called what? Egypt. And he comes back out of this. Can you imagine having lived in the Old Testament time, trying to figure out all these prophecies about the Messiah? where it would name, it named these different places he would be. You're like, can you imagine the Bible debates? I imagine young Bible students back then probably had debates. No, it'll be here. No, no, it was all of them before it was done. So funny. We tried to figure it all out. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing how often God's people twist themselves around trying to figure out what's coming next instead of living what we know to do. (laughs) We always want to gaze into what's dimly in the distance instead of looking clearly at what's in our hand. God wants us to look at what's in our hand. But what was Jesus' real hometown? Well, look in John chapter 17. They say down home since you asked. I'll tell you. John 17. Verse 1 These words spake Jesus. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. I'll let that sink in with this moment. That's God's pattern. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Say, what do you mean as many as thou hast given him? Very simple. That's why Paul preached repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God gives to Jesus by faith all who come to Him in repentance. Very simple. It's outlined in the Bible. And this is life eternal. That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee, On the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, I see his real hometown? It's it's mentioned here. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Say, where's Jesus' real hometown? It's a place called glory. Oh, by the way, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. If I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Philip saith unto him, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. life. No man coming to the Father, but by me. What did he say? He said, I'll take you to my real hometown. It's not Nazareth. It's not Bethlehem. It's sure not Egypt. It's not even Jerusalem. It's a place called glory. That's Jesus' real hometown. And that's where he left to come for us. To take us back to where he was. It was amazing. I enjoyed thoroughly... There's a young man that we called Manchild. Chris is his name. We called him Manchild, double designation name, man indicating his size, child indicating the intellect. Manchild. He's a big old. Grew up in Hammond, Indiana. Another place you don't say. Here's where I'm from. <laughs> He came down and visited, Brother Darren brought him down, brother Darren was so in college time. He brought him down, we were over at Liberty and brought him over to our home area. I was so excited. We took Manchild everywhere. We took him hiking along Twin Creek at night. We told him all kinds of stories about critters down there and stuff, so he was scared out half out of his mind. But I'll never forget he stepped out of the car. Now he grew up, in Indiana unless you know where you are up there, you'd never know when you left there, when you got into Chicago and all that. That's just all one city going there. You know, where I grew up, there were things called miles and fields between two towns up there. You know, how do you know where you are? And that's where he had lived. He had never traveled out past that. That's why he knew his whole life. And the ambient light from the streetlights and such was just always there. And I still remember big old Chris him getting out of the car... And he looked up everywhere we down on Enterprise Road along Twin Creek, just no external light from anything around us, and clear night, and you just see the stars. And I still remember he, in his own very graceful way, went, <laughs> I still understand, mouth open. He's like, wow. First I thought, what do he say? And he goes, what are all those? He 17, I think, today. So it's called start. I've seen one or two. Probably somebody taking off from O'Hare <laughs>
1: <laughs> God described to you what he
0: did most of the time. Everything from the meal we set down to his family. I mean, they're a good family. They took care of him, but the way we did things to everything we showed him, Chris spent a whole week of my it was so much fun to bring somebody to your home and have them respond that way because I really liked where we were and I liked that area and I thought I was the to see this and enjoy it the Lord said tell you what. not only do I love you he said but I got to tell you something I want to do I have a home like nothing you've ever seen you haven't have anything to compare to what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you and maybe since we'll be the Lord's presence, i will give us a little more dignity, but I don't know. Wow. What's this all about? Jesus' hometown. A lot to be learned from it. Let me pray with you, church. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for how every bit of it can bring forth truth. Help us, Lord. Love you for who you are. Thank you for being Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you for being associated with us. Thank you for giving us the hope and the certainty of that hope that one day we get to be with you because of what you've done. May we live in appreciation of the goodness you've shown us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. It would be a good time to show your appreciation to the Lord and to yield to Him. Why don't you come? We have a song invitation. Why don't you come this evening? And any good thing, half the Lord's in it can be.